And yesterday we, I got a little carried away. I was thinking about it. <laughs> I was sharing a lot of just um, cool information that I find cool. So from now I'm gonna try and just be a little bit more back to earth. <laughs> Hopefully if the idea of the Merkava comes up again, you have a little bit more context about what I was talking about. It does come up quite often in different Maimara. Hopefully you have a little bit of a sense what this idea of Merkava is. Um, and we're gonna, we're gonna go back into the context now. Just drawing like outwards again, right? Because we were getting very nitty gritty into what is Adam, what is um, the, what is the chariot that exists in Atsilut and in all the worlds and what's the history of it and who had the prophecies for it. The context of what we're learning here is we're trying to learn a little bit about the animal soul and about the godly soul in order that we're able to answer the questions of the Mimer, which are trying to understand why there are these grammatical discrepancies in the original Pasuk of Adam Kiyakar, the second Pasuk in Vayikra. Um, I was thinking something that might be cool is that when we get to chapter 2, <clears throat> where the Alter Rabbi answers those questions, that maybe before we do that, we'll look at a little bit of other commentaries, because this is, these are very famous questions that are asked by many commentaries. These are not just something that the Alter Rabbi like opened up the Torah and was like, wait, 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 that doesn't make sense. These are things that these <laughs> like are, no one noticed, yeah, no one noticed <laughs> it until then. Exactly. There are some things that no one noticed, and then you're like, huh, that's a good question. But this, this, these are very famous questions on, this, on the Pasuk. Um, and so I was thinking maybe we can, I'm jumping ahead, but thinking out loud, we can learn a few of the other answers because they're quite fascinating, of the other commentaries, and then we can see what Hasidah says um, and how Hasidah kind of tie, ties them together. So, so we might do that. But right now, we're trying, in order to try and answer these questions based on Hasidah, we need to understand about the animal soul and the godly soul. And the reason why we need to understand about the animal soul and the godly soul is because we're trying to understand what does it mean that we need a sacrifice, right? That's the kind of overarching general question. And then obviously there's the nuance questions within that. But what does it mean to bring a sacrifice, right? Especially because today we don't have any sacrifices. I think it's the Al-Sheikh that says on the first Pasuk, right? So so we, we're actually looking at the second Pasuk, even though they, they very much go together, the first and second. But have you guys heard of the famous Aleph in Bayikra? Yes, the little one. That it's little. So there's many explanations for why it's little. A very interesting one that I just came across <laughs> is that the Al-Sheikh says that um, the little Aleph represents the fact that the base HaMikdash is going to be destroyed. What do you mean little? So right now it's not little, but in the Torah itself, the Aleph is like miniature. Mm. It's smaller than the other letters. And there are many reasons for it. But one of the explanations is that the, the temple is going to be destroyed, and that's why the Aleph is small. And the idea is, okay, so if the temple is going to be destroyed, why should we be learning this whole Vayikra mm. deals with all the different Karbanot? Why should we learn about them and the answer is the next pasuk answers that question Adam ki mikem korban Hashem, that we are sacrificing within ourselves a korban to Hashem um, through sacrificing our animal soul Interesting. okay so that's just a little bit of the context that's why we need to understand what is the animal soul what is the godly soul and what is the process of getting closer right so korban has two has two um translations right korban is sacrifice and what else is korban Offering, offering slash sacrifice. And some, something like connection? Yes, it comes from the word karov, which means to come close, right? Um, to bring close. So there are two, um, there are two processes of, a, of sacrificing, uh, of a korban, sorry. One is a sacrifice, which is taking an animal and destroying it, saying I'm destroying your form, right? Some of the sacrifices went to the extent that they would completely, completely burn up the offering into nothing, into ash. 
destroying the form so you can elevate the sparks within it. And the second process of korbanot is the idea of coming close, bringing what exists already as a whole close to the source. And the difference we see within the godly soul and the animal soul. When we sacrifice a korban, when a korban means to sacrifice, it's the idea that we're taking the animal soul and we're transforming it, we're changing its form to the point that it can become one and united with Hashem. And when we're offering, when we're doing the korban with our godly soul, we're taking the godly soul as it is and we're connecting it and bringing it closer. And the process, they, these two souls need to work together in order to have a full, whole carbon, as we're going to see. So and we're not, like, it's the intention is literally, like, not to destroy it, but to just kind of, like, we're not meant to destroy our animals. So the word would be more transform. So when you, when you transform something, you are changing its form. What does transform mean? I never thought of this before, actually. Transform. Change the form. Change yeah. the form, right? Wow. Mm-hmm. I feel so smart. <laughs> I never thought of that before. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> I think that would be a better word than destroy. Even though I did use the word destroy. Mm-hmm. We're transforming, which means that we're changing it. But we're, as we're going to see, we're not completely we're changing still its to nature. the animal soul. 100%. Okay. We're changing it to the point that we're rechanneling it towards Hashem, as we're going to discuss in this mimer. That is really the premise of this mimer. What is a carbon? What, is a, what does it mean to bring a carbon? And the answer is going to be to use our animal soul and our godly soul, to have them work together in order to be able to bring our own carbon. Okay. And so therefore, the ultra is going, is, is going to make the claim, we need to know, in order to change something, what do you need to first know? If you want to make a change, a radical change in yourself, what let's you say. Change. What you want to change. What else? Want to make a radical change in your life? What's how, like the basic you, thing? How do you do it? How do you do it? What else? Like the basic, basic thing you need to have in place. Like identify the problem. Identify the problem, which would be basically know who you are, mm-hmm. right? Know who you are. Mm-hmm. Know what the problem is, right? So, in order to change, you need to first know who you are. Otherwise, what are you changing, right? What is the issue? What what, what is the new thing? So, so the first thing that needs to happen in order to change, in order to transform, is to know who you are. Okay, how do you know who you are? Well, there's many ways. What do you guys think? Where you come from. Where you come from. In order to know who you are, you need to know where you come from. And so the altar is going to say, we need to know who we are. We need to know what we're made of. Okay, and in order to know what we're made of, we need to know where we come from. We need to know where the godly soul comes from, or where the animal soul comes from. So I think that gives a little bit more context for the class of yesterday, where we were talking about the Merkava and the different worlds and the visions, etc. And now we're going to take that context and continue. Um, first, I want to speak a little bit more about the godly soul, so we can know who the godly soul is and where the godly soul comes from, which we basically discussed where the godly soul comes from. I think we're pretty good with that. And then we're gonna move on to the animal soul and see that their base, the animal soul is basically the opposite of that and see where does the animal soul come from based on now that we know a little bit about the Merkava, when we speak about the Merkava again, hopefully it's, it's okay. <laughs> hopefully we can just mention it. So let's first talk a little bit about the godly soul. Um, I heard a few, a while back from Rabbi Yossi Paltiel, he, he gives three, definitions, three, character, three core characteristics for the godly soul that I want to share with you. Um, but before we do that, what you guys, I want to hear from you guys right on the board. Think of words that you would think of when you think of the godly soul, based on what you've learned in Tanya, based on what you learned about learning about the godly soul. What words come to mind? Mind. 
mind. Holding right it. ventricle of the heart. One second, let me just. Right ventricle of the heart. Holding it. <laughs> Sorry, I hope that wasn't. It can all get erased. I don't know what this is. This looks cool though. Sure, sure. Oh, sure, sure. Okay. God. Girl loves boy. Boy doesn't love girl. My mother's son. That's very sad. Okay. Um, we said mind. Right side of the heart, right? Holiness. Right side of the heart, yes. Holiness. What else? Spark. Spark. Atsia. Say again? Atsia. Atsia? Yeah. What do you mean by Atsia? Like, we're talking about the goddess, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we're at the source. Atsia, like the world oh, of Atsia? Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, it's not sourced in the world of Asiya, but it's present in the world of Asiya because that's where we are. But we can write that. It is present here. It's sourced in Atsilut. Yeah, Atsilut. Atsilut, okay, we can write Atsilut. That's what I meant. What else? <laughs> oh, okay. We mixed the two. Atsilut. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got it. Anything else? In tune. In tune. Hashem. Hashem. share with you these three core definitions. These are all, and you'll see, these are all very much connected to all of this, and that's awesome. I love it. Mind, holiness, right heart, spark, intune, that's your definition. So, the three core characteristics that we need to know, which we'll see is important also because the animal soul is the complete opposite. So the godly soul is, number one, it's selfless. Okay, so it's not, it has no Ego, as we were discussing yesterday, based on the source, because you know, the source has no ego, as we see. It's selfless. It's not thinking about itself. It's not thinking about its own preservation. It's thinking about Hashem. Hashem. And the Torah and Felicity, anything that represents Hashem, right? It's selfless. It's outside of itself. Number two is that it's trusting. Okay? It's never worried. Okay. That was actually number three. I knew I was going to forget. Mm -hmm. And transcendent. That was that's actually the second one. That's okay. Transcendent, which means it's open. It's open to that which is beyond itself, which is above, right? And there are also other words like. We can add that it's quiet. We don't, it's not loud, right? When you want to tap into your godly soul, it's not shouting things at you, right? You don't wake up in the morning, go and dive in, right? It's like, mm -hmm. go eat breakfast, right? Our, our animal soul is loud, but our godly soul, these are just extra ones, is, is also quiet. Another one is that it's integrated, which means that all of the components that make up the godly soul work together in a harmonious way. So we're made, our godly soul is made up in the same form as our animal soul, right? There's five souls, there's the right side, there's the left side, and there's the middle, right? There's the emotions, there's the mind, there's the practical emotions, which are the lowest ones. So there, there are all different components, separate, so to speak, components of that godly soul, but they all work together. They don't contradict one another. They all work together. So it's, um, it's integrated. So now, 
let's quickly define the animal soul, and we're going to go back to the godly soul to see where this, where this fits. The animal soul is basically the opposite of each one. So, what's the opposite of selfless? Selfish. The animal soul is selfish. It is thinking about itself all the time. And what's the opposite of trusting? Untrusting. Untrusting. Worried, right? <laughs> Anytime you're worried, it's not your godly soul. Because your godly soul knows that Hashem is good and that Hashem is watching over you. And so being worried is a characteristic of the animal soul. How, what's, how would you say the opposite of transcendent? Opaque. Like, oh, <laughs> that's still, a big word. Not like closed off. Like, yeah, um, like with your head kind of down. What yeah. <laughs> opaque, closed off, narrow-minded, maybe? No, like just seeing only that which is immediate, like instant gratification, that which is right in front of you. Straightforward. Should I use the word narrow-minded? Um, <laughs> the opposite of transcendent. Short-sighted. Short-sighted. That's the word. Yeah, that's the word. Thank you. It's short-sighted. It's only looking at that which is right. You might be recognizing some of these more potently in yourself again because the next one is that it's loud. It's not quiet. Our animal soul is loud and it's passionate. And so when we experience it, we experience it in a very, a very powerful way. Um, so we can say loud slash passionate. And then what would the opposite of integrated be? Scattered, right? It's all over the place. There's different parts, there's different um, characteristics, and they're not really fitting together. They're clashing, and that's when we feel kind of that, that experience of, of being all over the place and wanting one thing, wanting another thing, and nothing really fitting and working together. So let's go back to the godly soul for a moment. When we said yesterday that the word Adam comes from Adamele Elion, right? That we're mirroring God. First of all, it's a very, very brash statement, I guess we can say. Say that we mirror God. Because what defines God as God? The fact that he is the only one, right? The moment you say, oh, there's actually two gods and there's no such thing as God. Um, that's what defines God, that he precedes everything and is beyond everything. So to say that we can mirror God, what does that mean? That we become God? Then what's God? So, to clarify that, I want to say that when we mean Adamele Elyon, we mean Adamele Adam Elyon, that we are mirroring Hashem as He expresses Himself in the world of Atzilut. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And based on what we learned, how does Hashem express Himself in the world of Atzilut? There's a right side, there's a left side, there's a middle, there's Chochma Binadas, Chesed Geboratiferas, Netzach Yosod Machos. However, within the world of Atzilut, everything is selfless. There's no other creation whatsoever. There's no self-interest in the world of Atzilot whatsoever. It's all about God. And our soul is made in a, in a mirror image of that. Our godly soul is made in the mirror image of that characteristic that exists within the world of Atzilot. And it's trusting, obviously. Again, if everything is all God, there's complete trust and no, no worry, so to speak, in the world of Atzilot. Obviously, it's transcendent and it's connected to that which is beyond all of the world, which is called Keser. So Atsilus is, is transcendent. Atsilus is quiet. It describes when, when um, we describe the other worlds, there's a lot of loud things going on. The angels are making a lot of noise, okay? They're praying and they're burning up in passionate um, love for Hashem and burning fires. Everything is quiet in Atsilus. There's no creations there. It's silent. 
And when we say integrated, all of the um, all of the different components of the world of Atzilut, the Chochma, the Bina, the Das, the, the mind and the heart, the emotions and the intellect are all working together in a harmonious way. That describes the world of Atzilut, that is describing Adam Helion, and that's also describing our godly soul. Because our godly soul has the potential to mirror Hashem as he expresses himself in the world of Atzilut. Okay? So when we say we mirror Hashem, when we tap into our godly soul, our godly soul is not able to create Yeshma'ayim, right? And to create worlds in the way that Hashem does. Although Hasidus does sometimes make very extreme um, cases for the fact that actually when we are doing tournaments down here, we really are mirroring that real, essential, infinite part of Hashem that can create. Um, and that we're becoming partners of Hashem in creation. If whoever was here was Sukkot, we kind of learned an idea about that. But um, when we say Adamele Elyon, what does it mean that Adam was created in the image of God? He's created in the image of God as he expresses himself in Adam Elyon in the world of Atsilot. Does that make sense? Kind of. Yeah. Kind of? I mean, it's very lofty idea, but I think we got the concept. Okay. Okay. Great. Um, and the reason, the reason that's important is, as we said, we need to know where we come from and we need to know who we We need to know who we are in order to know who we are. We need to know where we come from. Who is the godly soul? The godly soul is selfless, trusting, transcendent, quiet, integrated, and, right, it's based in the mind, it's holy, it's a spark of God, it's invested in the right side of the heart, it's in tune, it's sourced in the world of Atzilut, and it's close to Hashem, right, all of the things that you said. We need to know who the godly soul is in order to be able to actually tap into that. And then we need to know, in order, in order to really know who the godly soul is, how do we know all those things? Because we need to know where it's sourced. Where is it sourced? It's sourced in a place that is selfless, trusting, transcendent, quiet, and integrated. It's sourced in the world of Atzilut. Which means that when we, if, if we didn't have an animal soul and we were just living as godly souls, we would be expressions of the world of Atsilut. We would be mirroring God. Okay? okay? But then we have another soul. <laughs> and this other soul is the exact opposite. And this other soul needs to be reined in and tamed and transformed in order that we can actually truly mirror God and truly bring, bring our carbon, truly get close to God. So now that we've spoken a bit about the godly soul, we're going to get into the animal soul. Does anyone have any questions about the godly soul? Any questions? Obviously, there's a lot, lot, lot more to what the godly soul is than what we touched on, but who the godly soul is, what the character traits are, and where it comes from. Wait, what do you, what do you mean by mirroring it again? That we are expressing the same character traits and living in the same way. And we see this very practically as well. A man is called Adam. Man was created with his head above his heart, which is above the lower part of his body, right? We're standing upright. So we're physically mirroring the world of Atsilut as well. We're physically mirroring Hashem, who starts off with Chochmah, it's on the top, right? Chochmah bin Adas. And then there's Chesed Gvortiferes, right? Which represents the heart. And then there's Netzachod Yesod Machos, which represents the lower parts of the body, the legs, etc. So we're physically mirroring God, but also our godly soul in its character is mirroring the traits that are expressed within the world of Atsilot, which is the highest level of God that we can comprehend, not that we can actually comprehend Atsilot. Can I ask a question? When we say that godly soul is Halakilaka, how does it, it is like Halakilaka, Mash, I don't know who said this, how did this work with mirroring the Hashem himself? Like, if you are that part of something, you don't have to mirror this. That's a good question. So, the, we start off as Chalek Elokamim Mamash, and then we, the, the 
soul goes through this painful process of almost like separating. Obviously, nothing can fully be separated, but saying bye-bye and coming down through the channel of Adamalion, through Atsilu, through Bria, through Yetzirah, all the way down into this world. And now it's not so obvious that essential connection anymore, and now it has to be Karov. We have to bring Karov, we have to re-bring that soul close again to God. Okay. Because it's gone through this process which is painful for the soul, it has to say bye-bye God, right? Obviously there's no bye-bye God and it's always connected to God, but that essential bond is not as obvious now because it's gone through all of these channels. And it, st and it starts off with coming through the channel of Adam Helion, where it gets its almost its stamp of its characteristic, of the characteristics of Adam Helion. Okay. Okay? That makes sense. Okay. Um, so I think that the mind was going to give us a few more lines about... Wait... Um, no, I think we finished inside about the godly soul. So go to page, you said we're on page six, right? So let's read the English from page six, and then we're going to go into the animal soul. We'll touch on the animal soul, and then we're going to see how these two are possibly able and even expected to work together if they're such opposites, and they're two completely from different places, etc. So the word Merkava literally means chariot or vehicle. This is just going back to explain what we mean when we say the godly soul comes down through Panei Adam on the Merkava in Atsilot, right? The face of man that exists in Atsilot. So the word Merkava literally means chariot or vehicle, and it refers to a spiritual level of angels that are totally subservient to Hashem. A total, and again, there's no angels in the Merkava of Atsilot, right? They said Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Rachel are the representations of that world because there's no angels there. Their total lack of ego and self-nullification before Hashem is compared to how a chariot is subservient to its rider. It goes where the rider wants with no say of its own. At this level of angels known as the Merkava, there are four faces, meaning four aspects. These are described in the vision of Yechezkel as the faces of an Adam, of a lion, an ox, and an eagle. The highest aspect is the face of Adam. Since this level is the highest and most refined level of the angels, it can serve as an intermediary level through which the divine soul can come through on its way down into the physical world. And there is an Adam Ha'elion in each of the worlds, okay? So it comes, that's how it's channeled. And it retains this spiritual makeup that it started off with all the way in Atzilot of Chachma, Bina, Das, Chesed, Gevorah, Teferis, of the intellect being above the emotions, etc., etc. Okay? Amber, you good? You good? Yeah, sorry. Okay, no problem. If you, if, if you have a question or something, let me know. Okay. Now we're going to get to the animal soul. But Nefesha Bahamas, okay, so it doesn't describe the characteristics. So real quick, again, the animal soul is the exact opposite of this. It's scattered, it's not integrated. It's loud, passionate, short-sighted, worried, and selfish, okay? Where does it come from? Where does our animal soul come from? It comes from the, from the waste, from the excrement of the ofanim, which is the lowest level of angels, very, very low level of angels. Ofanim means wheels. It means wheels, like turning. And it's the idea of chaos. It's sourced in the, it comes down through the lowest, lowest level of this angel called Ofanim, which represents wheels, turning, chaos, not integration. But Shorsha, but its original source in the world of Atsilut, Mepchinat Pnei Shor, comes from 
Panesh or the face of the ox on the Merkava. So remember we said that there were there was an ox, an eagle, a lion, and an Adam. Our godly soul comes ch is channeled through Adam and retains the characteristics of Adam Helion. Our animal soul is channeled through Paneshar. What do we know about a shore? A bull. A bull is very, very passionate, right? And our animal soul retains this passion all the way down as we're gonna see. And it retains the characteristics of the paneshar, of the face of the ox. So the animal soul as we experience it derives from the lowest spiritual levels known as the dregs of the Ophanim angels. Dregs or sediment is what remains from the wine after the drinkable pot is strained off. Similarly, the spirituality of the animal soul becomes drained from the revelation of Hashem that it experienced in its source in the angels. It is for this reason that its passion and yearning which were originally a passion and longing for Hashem, have turned into a love and desire for pure physicality. The source of the Ofanim angels is from the level of the face of the ox, from the level of angels known as the Merkava. We explained above the Merkava means chariot or vehicle and represents a total dedication and submission to Hashem like a chariot to a rider. This means that in the ultimate source of the animal soul, he is derived from a level of angels that were totally dedicated to Hashem. The level of the face of Adam is a much higher level of angels in the Merkava than the face of the ox. However, the level of the face of the ox is also part of the Merkava. Its ego is totally nullified by Hashem. This is what enables the animal soul to be genuinely dedicated to Hashem, even though it cannot be on the same level of dedication as the divine soul. So if you look at the characteristics of the animal soul that we described here, you can say, whoa, wait, if this is what the animal soul is made of, how can we possibly ever expect it to be a carbon Tashem, to get close to Tashem and to transform itself. How can we expect a selfish, worried, short-sighted, loud and scattered being to get close to Tashem, right? The fact that we said short-sighted, it doesn't care about anything beyond itself, right? It's selfish, it doesn't care about anything outside of itself. It's scattered, it's not able to kind of gather together all of its powers and, and channel it into one place. So how are we, and it's worried because it doesn't even trust Tashem. So how are we supposed to expect this animal soul to be a korban? The godly soul is very, very clear, right? But the animal soul, how do we take something with all these characteristics and make it a korban? And the answer is that we need to know where it comes from in its source. In its source, I would say the only characteristic that it actually has that is retained once it comes all the way down in the process into our bodies is that it's loud slash passionate. Our animal soul has always been passionate because it's sourced in a level of angels above, which is represented by the ox, and an ox is passionate. You get an ox riled up, right? Isn't there a, a bull in a, in a china store or something? Yeah. Um, and they used to have like fights, they would, they would, they would wave, wave something in front of the bull. Oh yeah, like the red flag. Um, the red flag, which would like enrage it and then people would fight, right? It's, it's, a, it's a very passionate. And so, in order for us to take the animal soul, which is completely disinterested, right? in serving Hashem. Not that it's even against it, it's just like talking two different languages over here. How are we supposed to get the animal soul on board? How are we supposed to get the animal soul to be a carbon? The argument here of the Altarabi is, we need to know who it is, we need to know who it is in its source. Where does the animal soul come from? And the answer is that the animal comes, soul comes from a lower place than the godly soul, but still a very, very high place. From the Paneshar of the Merkava, from the face of the ox, from a very, very high angel. The fact that it's on the Merkava means that it's completely subservient and bitter to Hashem. It has the specific characteristic of passion, right? 
of being a loud, passionate, animalistic being that is totally subservient to Hashem. That is the source of our animal soul. We will learn in other places that, and maybe we made in this mimer, that the ultimate source of the animal soul is even higher than that. Right, just like the ultimate soul of the source of the godly soul is beyond its silot as well. But for the sake of within the world, the source is from the face of the ox on the Merkava. But then it's channeled down and down and down and down to the point that it's channeled through what's called Shomrei HaOfanim, the lowest external peripheral level of the lowest angel. And that's where it gets all of these characteristics from. And so what we need to do, the argument is, is we need to remind the animal soul of where it comes from, right? And when you remind the animal soul of where it comes from, it's able to channel its passion and channel its characteristics towards Hashem in a state of bittal, which is where it started off in the first place. So, this means ultimate source. Okay, so, the idea is, and we're going to see a little bit later how we do that, but in order again to get the animal soul on board, we need to remind the animal soul where it comes from. And it's an interesting thing. We see this, I think, with ourselves as well. Again, if we really want to change, or if we really want to, if we really want to change, we need to know who we are. And if we really need, want to know who we are, we need to know where we come from. Also within our own lives, right? That's why there's such an emphasis many times on looking back in people's childhoods. Like, what, what made you who you are today so that you can change, so that you can become better, right? We don't want to totally cut, off, um, cut ourselves off from who we were, but we want to become better. And in order to do that, we need to know where we came from. And a very, very important point here, and something I think that you mentioned, that we're not destroying the animal soul. The goal is not to destroy the animal soul, it's to transform it. What does it mean to transform it? To change it back to its original state. In its original state, it was a passionate being. It was a loud, passionate being that was completely subservient and channeled towards Hashem. And so the goal, and this is made very clear throughout Tanya and throughout Chassidus, we're not trying to kill our animal soul. That is the avoda of tzaddikim. Tzaddikim don't have an animal soul, either because they weren't born with one or because they killed it off, like David HaMelech. He said, My heart is empty within me. He killed it. I think it's brought down that he did it through fasting, maybe through the Tehillim. I think it's brought down that it was through fasts. He killed off his animal soul. That was his avodah because he was a specific level of a tzaddik. That is not our job. And the reason that's not our job is because our animal soul is an integral part of who we are as a person. And if we just chop that part off, then we've chopped half of ourselves off and then we can't bring the carbon to Hashem because we're not giving our full self fashion, we're giving half of ourselves, the godly part of ourselves. And um, I'll finish off with this point for today and then we'll continue seeing the process by which we can actually have the animal soul and godly soul work together tomorrow. But it's just a very important point when we say that we want to bring the animal soul as a carbon, which means to slaughter the animal soul, right? We mean that we want to transform it. We want to remind the animal soul where it truly comes from, what it really wants, right? There's a famous, um, there's the famous mashal in the Tanya for the animal soul, which is that there was a king and he had a son and he wanted to test his son and see if his son would be fitting to one day take him over. And so he hired a prostitute to go and try and seduce his son and to test him basically and see, does he have a strong character? And what does the Altarebi say? You guys are nodding. What does the Altarebi say about this woman? 
What does she want? She wants him to turn her down. She wants him to turn her down. She's doing her job, but she wants him to turn her down. The animal soul at its core wants to serve Hashem. But the way that it's channeled down into this world is that it goes through the lowest of the lowest of the lowest spiritual energies, the most peripheral and external parts, that by the time it comes down here, it's forgotten what it wants. So it has all of these characteristics and it has all of this loud passion, but it's directed to the wrong places. And so we, our job is not to kill our animal soul. That, that would be literally cutting off half of our personality. That's a, that's a very detrimental thing to actually do. And I do, I have seen some people do that, um, that on their process of deciding to get closer to Hashem, they just cut out certain parts of themselves completely. And um, that is doing a disservice, not only to yourself, but a disservice to Hashem, because Hashem wants all of you. Hashem wants all of you, including your animal soul, including all of your characteristics, right? Sometimes they just need to be rechanneled. okay? Um, and so this is a very powerful message that the Altar Rabbi begins with, which is the process by which we begin to bring our animal soul close to Hashem and to transform it is by knowing where it comes from. Because when you know where it comes from, you can remind the animal soul what it really wants. And then instead of having to destroy it, we can just re-channel it. Okay, so I, I, I love this part of the message of the mind. It's a very, very powerful one. And um, mum, mum, mum. here we're going to finish off with just these three more lines. And then tomorrow we'll continue about the process by which we can have them work together. But tachlis, this is, um, this, the Altar Rebbe says it quite, quite often. It's in, in Samai Marim. The tachlis, yuridas, and neshama l'aylam has it. The purpose for why the soul came down into this world. Okay, so when we say the soul, we mean the divine soul, the nefesh elokit. Why did the nefesh elokit come down? It's a painful process, as we discussed. It was a part of Hashem. And it had to disentangle, disengage, and come all the way down here to exist in this physical body. What's the purpose? It's in order to bring a clarity to the Nefesh Bahamas. Notice that it doesn't say to destroy the Nefesh Bahamas. It doesn't say to kill off the Nefesh Bahamas. It says to bring a clarity to Nefesh Bahamas, to open up the Nefesh Bahamas' eyes to what it truly wants, to redirect it. Leo's beginners is kafia and is And how do we do that? Through iskafia, through not listening when the animal soul tells us to do things that, we, that the godly soul doesn't want and that the animal soul actually truly doesn't want. So to tame it, to rein it in, to not listen, to not give in to its immediate impulses that are selfish and worried and short-sighted and loud and scattered. And then finally, so that we can transform it and rechannel it completely to serve Hashem. That is the purpose, that is the reason why the godly soul came down into this world. And then the Altar Rebbe is going to continue, and we'll continue with this tomorrow. How do we do that? So there's a specific order that's going on here that's not actually a very common order. The Hasidah speaks in many, many places about this concept called avoda, of serving Hashem with both our animal and our godly soul. And it usually starts off by saying, first, you've got to work on the animal soul. Rein it in, get it under control, and then we're going to go and harness the powers of the godly soul. This mimer is uh, the opposite, it's the other way. And it's this, uh, if you look at Tanya chapter nine, it speaks about the process in this order, but it's quite unique. It says, first, we've gotta get in touch with the godly soul so that it can get the animal soul on board. So it's the opposite order, as we're gonna see. And we will continue with that tomorrow. Does anyone have any, any questions? Any questions?
Okay, is that a little bit more clear? No. Yeah? Okay, <laughs> good, I'm glad about that. So we will we'll continue tomorrow. Okay, have a wonderful day. And I didn't hear the Chavez. Oh my gosh, it's oh. Thursday. <laughs>